So welcome back to another Impact Sessions podcast with me, Nick Bramley. This week, I've got two guests. It's only the second time we've tried this. The first time we did it, it went really well. So there's no pressure on my two guests today. Uh, my two guests are actually Neil Matthews, Managing Director, and Chris Shank, Sales Manager of a company called Irving Springs. Um, I've done some work with these guys over the last 12 to 18 months. And we could call this edition, There's More to Manufacturing Simple Products Than You May Think. So without any further intrigue, let's get into it and let's start talking to these two guys. So welcome to the podcast, uh, Neil and Chris. Cheers. You looking forward to it? Yeah, it's the first time I've ever done something like this, so it could be quite interesting. I won't be listening to it back because I have the sound of my voice, so... Uh... Well, you can't help being from the West Midlands. Anyway, moving good, on. Good job. I'm, look, I'm so damn good looking. Anyway. Well, most people consume it on audio, so you've lost the point there, Chris. Neil, but, uh, <laughs> there we go. Right. So, as I said, I'm delighted to have you both on. Um, we've done some work, as I say, on, on various programs over the last sort of 15 months or so. And um, why I wanted to get you on is I've kind of watched the journey, in particular, how you developed the business in what I can only describe as challenging times for most people. I want to explore a little bit about that with both of you. And um, you've got some interesting insights on, you know, what manufacturing is about and, and what on the face of it might be a fairly simple product. So let's start with a bit about Irving Springs. Chris, um, give us a geography lesson, where you're based. Give us a little bit about what you do in terms of what type of springs you manufacture, who uses them, how long you've been going, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so we've been around for 50 plus years now. Um, we're based in Irvine, uh, North Ayrshire. And for anyone outside of Scotland, it's in Scotland. Um, and we manufacture almost every type of spring. Um, most people, when you mention springs, you think suspension spring in a car or a mattress or a pen. Um, but springs are used almost everywhere in nearly every application from like electronic toys to even out offshore on oil rigs. Uh, so it really depends on what you're working on. So different sizes, different applications, and it doesn't matter what type of spring, you've got the capability to design and manufacture that then, yeah? Yeah, so we go, as same our special types, um, our things that we work on regularly, our customers that we work on are from 0.1 mil up to about six mil um, wire size. Um, but we can go anything up to about 20 mil uh, quite okay. easily. Okay, no worries. And Neil, Irving Spring, uh, you're part of a wider business. You're part of Indotrade UK as a group. Um, do you want to explain a little bit about that and, and, and what that's about and, and kind of what the advantage of that might be for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so Indotrade UK um, as an umbrella above that, which is obviously uh, Indotrade in Sweden, Swedishly, Swedish owned. Um, but Indutrade UK, we have the total of, I think there's 19 companies, but I think it comes under 15 entities. There's 15 MDs um, in a vast number of sectors from springs, press work. Um, there's other companies that supply industrial garage doors to uh, pipe flow stop systems. Uh, to companies that manufacture machinery for taking paint off um, oil tanker boats. Okay. So it's, it's a real diverse uh, group of companies. Um, it's very, very decentralized. 
So although we're under the umbrella of Indu Trade UK, um, the management team that runs each business has the responsibility for the PL. It has the responsibility to um, set its own budget. It has its own responsibility for setting its targets. Mm. It has its own responsibility for setting its capital expenditure every year. Um, but the, the great thing is that is that Indutrade UK is there as a support mechanism. You'll have, you'll have some central, I guess you'll have some central opportunities to you know work on uh, bigger programs, and you might be able to think about supply chain stuff. And there's all sorts of uh, advantages, I guess, around being part of something bigger. But looking at what you've said there, essentially we're talking about you know manufacturing companies who are you know making things and and, and presumably you know qualities part of the, uh, the the aspect of Indutrade UK and why you know they, they look at companies and acquisitions like yourselves. Yeah, they do. You know, um, we we one of the things that Indutrade UK does is acquire the businesses that that's what it's that's what it's there for mm. um you know we've all been acquired by Indu trade uk over the years you know the business I'm, i was originally i'm still originally with um was acquired about seven years ago um irving was acquired four years ago mm. um you know the, the business is a global business there's i don't know there's there's over 200 businesses now in 30 countries um employing seven thousand business uh, uh, people um, it's always looking to expand its portfolio mm. um, okay. with like-minded businesses. Okay, that's interesting. So you've got that sort of central uh, cover, you've got that sort of financial muscle, etc. But you also trade independently under your own brand, and that's where Irving Springs stays as Irving Springs, and you know on that basis. So, so Chris, let's talk about Irving geographically. Um, you're a manufacturing business in Scotland, in in Ayrshire, lovely part of the world. Um, it seems to us in England, certainly, that the pandemic lockdown regime seems to have been harder and a bit longer over the border in Scotland than it has perhaps even been for us in uh, in, in England. Um, how's the last 12 months been for you in the business and as a team, given the, you know, the, the severity of the lockdown, and uh, uh, particularly in Scotland? Yeah, I guess, like most businesses, we probably didn't expect to still be in lockdown, um, but we have adapted um, there's definitely been challenges. We've pushed through it, and, and our, our team, um, from my point of view, is definitely their safety and well-being has been a priority throughout um, all of this. Um, we're lucky enough that as a manufacturing business, we have a lot of customers who produce essential equipment, um, and we've continued to support them throughout. Um, we are Scottish, um, but we are a UK company, um, and yet. Yeah, Typically, Scots buy from Scots. It's something we're quite proud of. Um, but we do manufacture and supply worldwide. So my hope is just that everyone throughout the world can get back to a time that yeah, we, we may not take things for granted. Mm, okay. So what have you had to do differently and what have you learned, do you reckon, as you as the, the sort of a sales manager responsible for still bringing in the, the, the business? And I guess from an operational point of view, I can I can pass that to Neil afterwards. You know, what have you learned or what have you had to do differently to not just survive, but to, you know, to be successful even despite the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, um, marketing became the thing um, and, and actually a marketing strategy. Um, and although it's always something that we did, um, it was typically an add-on to the sales function. Um, but because of COVID, 
um, and businesses around us not operating the same, we had to make marketing a key part, um, if not the key part. Mm. Um, so by the end of March, we changed our strategy. We decided to increase our presence on LinkedIn mm-hmm. um, and start using other social media platforms like YouTube uh, to reach people that yeah we may not be able to reach in the past. We're going to explore your LinkedIn strategy a little bit later as a separate sort of conversation yeah. piece, I think, because it's fair to say that you, it, it's been not a revelation necessarily, but certainly a, a big part of you know a, a growth. Uh, uh, an expansion really for you as a business so explore that but uh, Neil what's it been like for you we'll explore your geography in a second but you know just from running the business how's it been and what have you learned you know in, in the uh, in the challenging situation yeah I think I think for me being I don't know what 300 plus miles away from the actual uh, the business it's been it's been pretty tough um, like I say I kind of alluded to it earlier on we are a very decentralized culture within the within the group um, so that that sort of decentralization kind of flows down within the business itself. Mm. So what you what you do is because is, I'm not there, you know, um, uh, people have taken up the mantle um, and, and, and they've run with it. You know, I'm, I'm 300 miles from 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 the business. I'm sitting in Redditch um, and it's it's been a challenge, you know, especially through those kind of those really dark, dark moments. I think I think early on it was the uncertainty, wasn't it? And I think, you know, we weren't sure. But for those who don't know, Redditch is in the West Midlands, which is in uh, sort of the, the the Midlands of the of England, really. And uh, it's three hundred miles up the M6. It's a straight drive if you're allowed to. But uh, Nicola Sturgeon's been patrolling the borders, hasn't she? So, are you saying you've not even stepped foot in the business for nearly a year, then, Neil? Last time I was in the business was February last year. Wow! As we as we record this. As we record this, we're in first week of March. So, yeah, yeah. Over, over 12 months since you've set foot in the business. And yet the business has done done really well. Um, how have you managed remotely then? Um, through the, you know, <laughs> this time last year, um, or say in February, I don't think anybody had heard of Teams before or Zoom or anything as such. <laughs> so, um, you know, we've done that. You know, the good thing is it's, it's all about communication. Everything in business is about communication. Mm-hmm. If you can communicate correctly, then then that's half your half your battle, three quarters of your battle. Um, so the good thing is with the management team that we've got is that we've got a really really good relationship, you know. Um, and even through good times or bad times, we've always had a very open way of working. So if difficult um, conversations had to be had, we've always had them, mm. um, and then we've pushed on, agreed or disagreed, and pushed on. Um, and I think that's really key to, to, to the way we've worked. I think, uh, I think what you're saying there, though, as well, is you didn't have to do much of a culture shift to make it work either. You know, some businesses had some real issues at the start of, of this pandemic with trust and with relationships and with communication and, you know, didn't want people working from home and, you know, wanted to micromanage the living daylights out of people. And I think those businesses who were in that boat have either had a massive, massive culture shock or have not made it through, you know, the, the last 12 months because, you know, you've not had to do that because you've got the trust of, you know, someone like Chris running the sales. I've met a couple of the team uh, from Irving on different sessions and, you know, they're all, they're all lively. They're all, they're all bright. They're all kind of invested, aren't they, in the business. And I think, the fact that you are 300 miles away. Chris, has that been a benefit to you not seeing Neil very often? 
I mean, to be honest, I've not seen anyone very often because um, although Neil's not been actually up in Scotland, as we said, since February, um, I've very rarely been in the business um, as an actually in the factory since March last year, um, other than maybe two weeks, three weeks um, where there's been the possibility. Um, I've been working remotely as well. Um, so as Neil says, it's, it's right. The, the fact that we can all trust each other, the fact that I know that the guys are doing a job in the factory when they're there um, and the guys know that I'm doing a, a job when I'm at home um, it allows us to continue operating successfully. That's fantastic to see. And I think I, I've got a, a note down here that I think it's fair to say we were all glad to see the back of 2020. Some people think 2021, you know, has been just as bad as a starting point. But I think it's fair to say that uh, you come out the blocks like a train, haven't you, in 2021 as a business, you know, looking at the the performance, the figures, the contracts that you've got in place. So, Chris, um, why have you started 2021 so well? And what level of success is that down to, you mentioned marketing, changing the strategy a little bit, putting things at the forefront. How is that connected in what you did in sort of March, April, May and, and, and back end of 2020 to the start to 2021? Yes, I'd actually say that all of the results have been achieved by having a strategy and an action plan in place. Um, as I mentioned before, at the end of March, we focused on a marketing strategy uh, to increase our presence. But we also had to try and work out what the rest of the year would look like mm. um, and what we'd have to do to make it work. Um, and also, what would it be like when the pandemic finally ends? Um, we're not there yet, um, but when Boris or, or Nicola says it's safe to come out, then, yeah, we'll be ready. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the fact that you've got a strategy and a plan, you've implemented that through the year, is there any one thing particularly that you think has allowed you to build that confidence that when we reopened after Christmas, you started like a train? You know, is it one thing, a couple of things that you've done that you think, well, actually, that 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 is directly you know correlated to that? Yeah, so the strategy it changed throughout. So although we had a basis or, or a base strategy, um, at the end of March, middle of April, um, we have had to develop that and change that as the months continued. Um, and I think that probably October time, we sat down again. Um, and the big focus was actually looking at our existing customer base mm. and saying, have we been there enough for them? Do they know that we're here? Um, and that was the big focus. And actually, if we look at the results coming into January and February, our existing customers who have been with us for two and three years have purchased time and time again throughout the months. So I think that work, uh, yeah, that's proved to be, yeah. That's yeah, fantastic. fantastic that's fantastic to see. I've got a few people who've been on the podcast. One that springs to mind, uh, Marianne Smith from Do Marketing. She's been on a couple of times and she talks about the absolute importance of, you know, getting and keeping close to your existing customers in a, in a time of uncertainty, the one thing that you need to be certain of is that your customers know, you know, that you're there for them. And, and that's that. It's great to see those results coming, guys, from that. I think um, the other thing I'd say is, um, have you got a plan already taking shape for when, and we don't know when that is, you know, the the the, uh, the, the barriers come down and we get back to some semblance of normality. Are you already working on that as well? Yeah, so that's already in the pipeline. Um, but I wouldn't want to give anything like that away right now. No, no, absolutely not. not. Neil? Yeah. 
what have you had to embrace remotely then that you've done or implemented or worked on then? I mean, Chris, Chris responsible for sales, obviously he's linked to marketing activity and strategy. What are the things that you've particularly embraced that that, that maybe you weren't doing before that, that has helped you, do you reckon, to start 2021 in such a good, uh, in such a good positive vein? I think for me, being, um, you know, always looking at the, uh, the EBIT and the GP, um, again, early on, last year march time we we identified the fact that we've got to be really careful with our cash flow mm. really careful with our operating working capital and 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 really uh for example you know we'd, we'd probably buy some wire in february manufacture the part in march and sell it in april mm. um we looked at the way we we at that at that, at that strategy and said is there any way that we could actually purchase it in March, make it in March, and sell it in March? Mm. Um, and I think that was absolutely one of the key, one of the key areas. What we and I, and I have to say it, I think we've you know we've come out of the coming out of the pandemic far more savvy as a business than probably we, when we went in uh, because we look at our costs, we look at our expenses, uh, we look at our creditor and debtor days. And, and we continue looking at these. Now, I'm not saying we didn't look at them in 2019. We did. Mm. I think we're a far more leaner and keener business now um, because we've looked at these and understood them and the effects that that can have on, on the business's performance through the very, very dark times. I mean, you've had to be casting a more, a more critical eye over, I guess, every aspect of the business. And, and like you say, you were, you were a pretty well-run business beforehand. And what you've done now is you've tightened everything up, haven't you, around that. I really like the idea of, you know, looking at your supply chain and can we buy it, manufacture it and sell it in a shorter period. How has supply been, Chris, in terms of, you know, raw materials in, you know, where do you get your, where do you get your raw materials from? Have you had any supply chain issues with, you know, getting product in? How, how was that, particularly in the early days when the uncertainty was like the world seemed to stop for a few weeks, certainly? How's it been for you? Yeah, and as Neil alluded to, we... Um, originally the way we operated is we would have stock sitting um, and we do still have a, a large raw material stock we've just tried to where possible where we're not having to support specific customers with those requirements that we, we reduce it where we can mm. um, but we contacted all our suppliers and actually we're in a really good position where all our suppliers are in the UK oh. so uh, Brexit, the pandemic those sort of yeah, circumstances, those things that happen around the world haven't really affected us, um, which is a good place to be in. Do, does that look like really good planning right now? Is that accidental? Or that just sounds to me like you've 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 got that nailed on because those two perfect storms are affected a lot of people getting product in. And that was the biggest challenge for a lot of manufacturers. Certainly by the time they got to June and you know the price of shipping and, and just availability in China was shut for two months and all those kind of things, you know, it looks like a really good decision now. <laughs> is that strategic to be a UK supply chain only business, Neil? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's a conscious, conscious um, decision that, you know, we might talk about UK manufacturing later on, but for me, it's, it's, it's a conscious decision that we look after uh, UK manufacturing first. Mm. Um, and if we can, if we can purchase that in um, from within the British Isles, then, then so be it. Excellent. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, 
We've called this episode, there's more to manufacturing simple products than you may think. And one of the things that you've adapted and adopted recently, as I've seen, is um, a set of sustainability development goals for the business. So, you know, that, that seems quite, to me, and I don't mean this in a patronising way, it seems quite a grown-up, you know, corporate kind of approach to managing something really important. Um, question for either of you, really, do you want to expand a little bit on sustainability development goals? You know, what's it about? Why is it important? And what are you hoping to achieve by that? Yeah, okay, so... I'll- Chris, I'll take this one for the minute. Um, yeah, so uh, the sustainability part of the business, um, around about 2015, the UN produced a paper regarding the sustainable development goals. Um, and it produced seven, I think it was 17 sustainable development um, areas or SDGs, as they call them, mm. um, and gave themselves about the 2030, I think it is, to achieve uh, those to be adopted by as many businesses under the UN umbrella as, as it possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2019, Indu Traders as, as a group uh, embraced that um, and adopted certain a certain number of those 17 sustainable development goals. Um, so for us, it was a sociable one, a social one, um, it was an economic one, and it was an environmental one. Mm-hmm. So from that, um, that was then again flowed down to to the different businesses. So for 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 uh, Irving, as 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 probably well as every other business, every business within the Indo Trade uh, Group, uh, social social one is its people. Mm. Uh, they are. I know it's a cliche, but it is it is true um, that our people are our greatest asset. Can I just stop you there? Never has that been more so than the last twelve months. Absolutely. You know, balancing flexible working um, mental health and all that kind of thing that goes with that massive agenda as well. So it's great that you were ahead of the game, even before, you know, certain businesses had to adopt it simply by accident, really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've, we've got an example at Irving where um, we, we, we had to furlough a number of people um, and the one person I'm going to name the person took themselves, identified that they got, um, um, uh, gaps in their their ability to perform their job fully. Mm. They took that time while they were on food. They could have sat at home, watched the telly, put their feet up, and watched um, loose women for the next six months. <laughs> but they didn't. They took themselves and they put themselves on a, on a variety of open university courses wow. to, to bridge the gap. I, I think that's absolutely fantastic. I really do. Mm. So they've come back, and these all these little all these little building blocks have, have, have built up. Um, to to where we are today, and that's where we kind of 2021 onwards. It's it's quite an exciting time for us, you know. So yeah, so the the sociable side of it, the social side of it, it's people. Um, we looked at leadership and competence development. We looked at employee satisfaction, uh, diversity inclusion, which is key, and, and and like you alluded to a couple of minutes ago, uh, employee well being and safety is also key. Mm. Um, so. Taking that one, for example, the employee well-being uh, part, we have an employee assistance program, um, which is a anonymous phone number you can ring any time of the day or night, um, whether it's an issue. And this is not just for our employees, but it's also for our families, um, where they can ring the number and they can have support on anything from marriage guidance to debt to anxiety to mental health issues. There's a whole range of different 
different um, things that they can talk to a stranger about. Which sometimes it's better to talk to a stranger than it is is your own family member or perhaps your boss. And I'll be honest with you, that that's that's hugely impressive that that's available. Um, I like the confidentiality of that. I like the accessibility of that. And I think it probably demonstrates that you are likely to be an employer of choice when people are looking at, you know, their future career options in a, in an area where, you know, I, I'm assuming that, um, you know, there's a, um, a jobs mix around and opportunities for people to, to go and work in different places. You know, they might want to be proactively choosing, you know, a company like Irving Springs because of, those kind of things, really. Just quickly touching on the other two. So you've got your social, which is yes. your team. What are the so, other two in headline format now? Okay, so you've got environmental, okay, yeah. and then you've got um, economic, which is profit and growth. So just a quick quick overlay on those. The environmental, um, we are now 100% carbon neutral on electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, we're engaging with a local charity as far as planting trees. Mm-hmm. So every time Chris gets a new customer, no pressure, Chris, uh, we plant a tree in the Highlands with this charity. Uh, we, we already we already recycle carbon and paper. Mm. Um, we've looked at our business vehicles as well. So going forward, uh, we'll change the vehicles. At that point, we'll look at if we need to. We'll look at hybrids and we'll look at electric cars as well. Mm-hmm. For me, I fly up to Scotland every two weeks. I fly up to Scotland. I think I think flying uh, the numbers are right. There's about 133 grams per kilometre you use when you're flying. Uh, a car's 43 grams per kilometre and uh, the train is 41. And, I, uh, and and Zoom, Zoom is zero. Absolutely. Zoom is absolutely nothing. But it's not. there's nothing beats walking through the door and feeling <laughs> the atmosphere of the business. No, I agree with you there. I totally agree with you. I mean, but I think it's probably fair to say that no matter what we get to normality-wise, going every two weeks might end up being every four weeks or every six weeks because you've demonstrated you don't necessarily need to, haven't you? That's right. We, you know, we, we've demonstrated that the that the team works exceptionally well. Um, I, I don't want to uh, break that trust because at the end of the day, they're, they're playing an absolute blinder up there. Mm. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to step on anyone's toes because if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Well, we'll put that but we'll put that down to great leadership from both of you, shall we? The playing Absolutely. the blinder. We'll, we'll, we'll let you both <laughs> we'll let you both take the joint credit for that. And I think that's probably fair to a certain extent. Um, so the third one, which was what uh, financial, uh, let's not, we obviously know what that is. It's about sustainability is about making sure you're still here next month and next year and the year after, isn't it? And, yep, you know, it is. uh, and invest in profits in the right way and all that kind of thing. So Absolutely. I'm going to ask Chris, because Chris is head of sales in terms of sales manager. Do you think sustainability development goals give you sort of a competitive advantage or is it just a conversation piece at this stage? Where does it sit in your sales uh, conversation, Chris? I don't think it's linked to sales. Um, I don't think it needs to be. Um, not everything you do in a business should be sales orientated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all want to win new customers. We all want to grow. But there's actually just a, a time where you've just got to do what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, for me, yeah, sustainability for our employees, um, that's number one. Um, and then the environment for me has come straight after. Um mm-hmm. As a salesperson, yeah, I, get, I do get involved with the finance side of things. Um, but if you're just looking at sustainability, uh, those two are the ones that, that I go after. And I think everything we can do to help our people um, and everything we can do to help the environment is definitely for the positive and unrelated to sales in any way. What I meant by that, I wasn't saying sort of, you know, will it help you get more sales? But is it a conversation 
with organizations who are more aware themselves and saying, you know, what do you do about and, and what's your view on this? Because I work with some big organizations and they're asked to produce a policy on anything from, you know, anti-slavery to money laundering to whatever it might be. So, you know, sustainability development goals, I guess in some respects are a conversation piece. I'm not saying that they're going to be the advantage that uh, you're not going to leverage them just to get sales, but you're doing it for the right reasons. But does it become a conversation in, you know, with some of your potential customers anywhere? Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a lot of other businesses out there um, that feel that they should do the same. And actually it's probably more for the larger, larger businesses um, that there's become a philosophy that they'll only work with people doing similar things. Mm. Um, so yeah, I suppose in that side of it, it's definitely a conversation opener um, that actually we are heading in the same path. And people like that, businesses like that. Um, mm. I think everybody needs to be more conscious of how we're operating and what we can do to, to better ourselves. Excellent. Okay. Well, I'm going to skip forward to uh, something we talked about earlier. Uh, and again, Chris first, I guess. it's We talked about your marketing strategy and you talked briefly about, you know, embracing LinkedIn and doing a bit more on LinkedIn on that basis. Um, and we discussed that off air and I know that you've done quite a bit. Given that many B2B manufacturing businesses are either not using it very well, probably skeptical about, you know, social media and LinkedIn potentially um, without giving away your crown jewels, how have you made it work for you? Where does it, why does it sit where it sits now? What have you done? I don't need to share trade secrets or your competitions start copying you, but you know what have you done to embrace it? It's a difficult one um, to to give anything away, <laughs> um, okay. or to, to say anything without giving away our strategy. Um, but what I'd probably say is on your question to to businesses who've kind of shied away from LinkedIn or don't think it's worth worthwhile. Um, I would probably have agreed with them a few years back. Mm -hmm. um, we had other ways of communicating. Uh, with our customers and our colleagues like you know visiting them <laughs> or <laughs> attending exhibitions or networking events yeah uh, but we haven't had that for the past 12 months um and although the future is looking better uh i think the the pandemic has you know brought forward the inevitable use of social media platforms mm. um for business considerably i think someone said that we've advanced our digital capability five years in less than eight months um and I think it's fair to say that you've embraced that as a business, haven't you? That kind of um, accelerated learning, if you like, around that whole thing. Uh, we did a session probably before the lockdown on LinkedIn, and you both, I think, were part of that uh, among with other people. And it's fair to say at that stage, you weren't really, it wasn't you know central to what you were doing. It was just a, a peripheral, yeah, we do a bit of LinkedIn uh, is it fair to say now it's, it's it's taking a bit more front and center stage and it's it's delivering for what you want it to do? Yeah, I mean we are, as I said previously, we it's now a a key factor, or if not the key factor, to how mm. we are operating and how and as as part of our strategy, um, and it's a strategy that's you know proved successful um, as far as we can see so far. So long may that continue. Um, with regards to you know results. Um, to give you an idea, and, and this is a stat that I've pulled, but we've had over 800 visitors to our company's LinkedIn page since March last year. Mm. Uh, for the same period the year before, so that was before we had a proper marketing strategy in place, we had 68 visitors. Okay, that's a that's a fair increase. I mean, 800, 800 still work to do, but it's a work in progress. 
but that that represents you know a, a significant uh, increase but that's linked to that directly to the overall marketing strategy so, that, so that's good to see okay um neil we touched on something earlier about supply chain um i've got a real beam in my bonnet personally about you know uk manufacturing in particular um thinking about the long-term effects that that the pandemics had the fact that um uk manufacturers have helped other uk manufacturers and i hope people remember that um where do you think we're going to be when we get back into some kind of normality do you think businesses have been encouraged to look at what's on their doorstep more than perhaps just always looking you know for cheaper for i know you don't as, as irving spring you know uh, supply outside the uk but you, you're integral to a uk manufacturing business you know what's your view on supply chain and you know uk manufacturing coming back stronger as a result of of, of this and working more collaboratively i'm hoping that that you know uk purchasing will see uk manufacturing as, as a massive opportunity mm. um you know i think i think uk manufacturing has got a, a massive potential here to to really exploit this um you're absolutely right you know you know uk manufacturing probably had a bad press um, I, I don't think anything dispels that more than the 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 the, the ventilator shortage. Mm. Um, now, my, my example of that is um, we have competitors in our field, um, and we don't talk to each other for years on end because we don't. Um, um, and a, a really good example of that is what uh, is one of the MDs from our competitors was on my door one Sunday morning with a coil of wire mm. for me to go into work that day, put it on a machine and manufacture some parts that we'd never seen before. Mm. We had a drawing, we had a basic concept. And within a week, we'd produce the parts that they wanted. And we worked collaboratively together to, 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 to supply a very small um, part of the whole supply chain for the ventilator. Now, thoroughly proud of that. And, and, and UK manufacturing should be proud of that. Mm. And, and, and sometimes, like I say, we get a bad press and we should really, really push on with that from now on. Well, I, I, I think that we should be looking at more collaboration. I think we yeah. should be looking at more awareness. You know, I, I had a client a number of years ago, and it, it's rankled with me for years, that they used to import sort of cheap um, Far East imports, manufacture, no, assemble them in the UK, and, and sort of imply they were UK manufactured, but they weren't. They were just assembled in the UK. And the parts became cheaper and cheaper and the quality became less and less and all that kind of thing. And I said to him, because they're in the automotive sort of area, I said, look, you know, in the whole of Oxfordshire and down there where the Formula One and all those kind of businesses are, there's a whole automotive sector could make anything that you're looking for. He said it'd be too expensive. So, but you could charge a premium for the quality of the product and you'd have less problems with quality, you'd have less problems with customer feedback and negativity and stuff wouldn't see it couldn't see it i would hope now people looking and going where do we get our supply from and you know is that going to help us if there's another whatever the next thing might be because you know you don't want to be reliant on the expense of shipping you know, the availability of, of stock you know countries shutting down their borders you know i'm hopeful and i'm hopeful you the same guys that more and more of the same will come forward yeah yeah, absolutely. I think you know, we, I think we're already seeing that in 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 our inquiries that uh, there's uh, UK manufacturing companies are looking to purchase now from UK manufacturing companies, mm. um, and maybe twist their supply chain to maybe a dual source 
mm. um, where they can they can turn the tap off if they need to and turn another tap on. Um, and you know, it's a it's a massive opportunity at the minute for us. Good stuff. Well, I hope that's the case. I yeah. think I hope people remember those who helped them out. I hope people remember those who didn't. Um, you know, the profiteers who were selling. You know, twelve packs of loo rolls, individual toilet rolls at a pound. You know, I'm hoping those people are going out of a bit out of business now. But you know, you think you get what you you reap what you sow, don't you? Yeah, um, yeah. Chris, I'm going to ask you. I don't necessarily need a sales pitch particularly, but on the face of it, you've mentioned we've mentioned it's a fairly simple product that you make. You make springs, don't you? And those springs are different shapes, sizes, and different uses. But um, I think it's fair to say that not all springs are created equal. So, what do you do? in a springs manufacturing sector to stand out from the competition. So, you know, how much value do customers and potential customers put on your differentiators? What are they and why do you stand out? Yeah, I suppose on the face of it, um, a spring is a spring. Um, but the difference that we find is actually the correct spring selected specifically for that application that you're looking at um, can make a massive difference on quality of performance and your productivity, uh, repeatability. Um, we do a lot of work. Um, actually, probably the majority of our work is with engineers uh, looking to develop new products. Um, and although what, what we find anyway is that springs are typically the last thing that people think about, um, sometimes it's the most critical. Mm. Um, and that's, that is where we help out. I think that's, that's the biggest differentiator is that we'll carry out design reviews, we'll suggest alternative options. Um, we've been around for a long time and, and the knowledge and skill uh, of our spring makers have, if, if I can make a boast, uh, second to none. I guess I guess there's nothing much you haven't seen in spring manufacturing over 50 odd years, I guess. And uh, it's that trust in the design process. What I like about what you do is, is from a design point of view is you won't necessarily give people what they think they want. You'll give people what actually they need, don't they? Which is sometimes quite different, I would imagine, isn't it? Yeah, we have, yeah, both in the past and, and even and currently we have customers who come to us and say, I need this, this is what I need. Um, and actually we will come back and say, well, actually, if you do this or do that, this could save you X amount. Um, and also your performance would be far better. Mm. Uh, you do initially get the, yeah, but I'm right. <laughs> um, and, and, eventually having a conversation and, and now having meetings through teams or zoom uh, they realize obviously the importance of having that knowledge base and what it is we can offer i think you've got engineer to engineer you know who's got the most qualifications and skills like anything isn't it you know i work with a couple of it companies and you know they've got people who are qualified to a certain level in certain microsoft products and you know i know more than you you know more than me it's, it's trying to find that balance i guess isn't it really okay well, listen, the final question for, for either or both of you, I guess, is that whilst 2021 has started off like a train, um, what does the rest of 2021 look like for you? And what's the plan for the future? You know, maybe Neil not coming up very often, even when he's allowed to, um, those kind of things. What, what What's the rest of 2021 look like in terms of your confidence? And what does the future hold beyond 2021 as far as you can foresee the future, really, guys? I think... Go on, Chris. No, no, I was going to say, do you want to take this one? Yeah, okay, cheers. Um, yeah, 2021 for us um, is is uh, an exciting time. We've, we've, we've slingshot out of um, 2020. You know, if you look at 2020, December 2020, um, as, as a number, 
Um, we were actually 78% up on turnover in, in December 2020. Now you think, oh, that, I bet they've come from a, a really low level. Well, we didn't. We, you know, 2019 was one of the best years we've ever had within the business. Mm. Um, so 2021 is going to be an exciting year for us. Uh, we've got so much development going on. Uh, we're currently in discussions with the local authority to, to move sites, mm -hmm. which we're hoping we're going to, we'll have that closed off within the next month, which will give us manufacturing side around about twice as much space um, as we have already. Um, that, that's really exciting. So new, new premises, um, we can expand then on the business um, as far as sales, really push hard on the sales a bit more. The, the, the strategy for Irving has always been, we don't just look at the year ahead. We look at three, four, maybe five years ahead. Mm. So, and then we align ourselves when these bumps in the road occur uh, and try and uh, and try and bridge that gap as soon as we can. So, yeah, 2021 is, is looking like a, a great year for us. Uh, we're thoroughly looking forward to it. We've got a great team of people. Um, yeah, we've had a tough 2020. Um, one of the things I, I will say as well is that, you know, in 2020, we had to say goodbye to a few people. Mm. Um, but what we also did is when we said goodbye to those people, we also said to them, as and when we can re-employ you, we will. Mm. And I'm really pleased to say that we've, we've, we've already started that process um, and we're re-employing some of our old employees back into the business. And I think that's right to do that because it wasn't their fault of what happened. But I also, I also think that says a lot about, I mean, first of all, they've got to be available, but it says yeah. a lot about the fact that they want to come back. So that you must have handled that very professionally because yeah. there's no, you've not left a bad taste in anyone's mouth in terms of, well, I'm not going to go back and work for them because of how they handled that. So on that really positive note about leadership and communication and management and growth and potential, I just want to share the uh, the, the, the screen for those who watch the, the um, who watch the, the podcast Um and just to let you know that um, the whole podcast series, including this episode, is always available. We send it out every Tuesday. Uh, then it's it's hosted on all the popular plug, podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, it's on our YouTube channel. It's on Impactus Group's website, Podbean, CastBox. Basically, search Impact Sessions, Nick Bramley. You can't fail to find it on whichever podcast platform that you've got. I put the contact details there for both Neil and Chris, uh, who've been you know fantastic guests. Those details will be in the episode notes on whichever platform you choose to view or uh, listen to the podcast on. And um, all that remains for me to say, guys, is you know you've been fantastic. It went really well from a you know two on to one. Uh, we managed that quite well, so there's no issues there. Thank you for being really positive. Thank you for being you know great guests, and uh, I look forward to working with you in another positive 2021. Thanks, yeah, guys. Thanks. thanks, Nick. Thanks for inviting us. I think we've, no uh, we've just thoroughly enjoyed it. Cheers. See you soon. Okay. Take care.